the largest role that we can do as emergency managers is to build relationships. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Dennis Day, who is the Emergency Operations Center Manager for the city of Indio, California, also known as the City of Festivals. Dennis, thanks so much for being here. How are you? Great, Peter. Thanks for having me. Well, I really appreciate you making time for us. And our focus today is how the city of Indio prepares for Coachella and other major events. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your career background and your current role with the city? Yeah, I'm currently the Emergency Operations Center Manager for the City of Indio, and it's a relatively new position here in the city. My background, I started in the military. I was actually Army from 1998 to 2002. I was active duty and uh, joined the Army to see the world, and I got to see Virginia for all four years. <laughs> so that, that, was a, that was an exciting time, but it actually was the pathway that got me into emergency management, and I didn't even really realize it. I was assigned to a logistics battalion in the military, and so we supported a lot of transportation, a lot of moving of equipment. When I got out of the military, I was always interested in the fire service, and so I was actually hired by the county fire department in Southern California, Riverside County. And I filled a whole bunch of roles there. I, I started as a 911 dispatcher and I served as a firefighter on a, on a fire engine for a few years in a role that's called a, a seasonal position or a firefighter one, it's an entry-level firefighter position. And then I, I went back as a supervisor inside the 911 call center and got more involved with the hiring of staff and the, the rewriting of plans and, and training manuals. Well, that last step led me into the emergency management role. At the county level in, in California, we call it the operational area. And we're at an intermediate level of government where we support local cities and act as a liaison to the state. And so I really got my feet wet in emergency management there and really became interested in it. And I was a contract position to the city of India where the city was contracting with the county to provide emergency management services. The city seen the role and, and recognized the importance and the value of having a full-time position. And so they actually flew their own emergency operations center manager role for the city. I applied, went through the process and, and now here I am. So I, I've been a city employee just for a few months, but I've been assigned to the city for a little over three and a half years now. Okay, great. I, I really like that background combination of logistics plus first responder because you know how bad things can get, but you also know how much better they can be if you plan things out appropriately ahead of time. So that's a really interesting combination. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I've really benefited and been able to tap into each of my experiences in my current role because they all do play a, a vital part of it. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we get into Coachella specifically and the many other festivals that you and your team prepare for, let's start with the city of Indio itself. I understand that it's a relatively small area, geographically speaking, but it's growing rapidly. Can you tell us more about that to help give some context? Yeah, absolutely. So the city of Indio, known as the city of festivals, is about 33 square miles in size. We're located pretty much in the middle of the Coachella Valley. 
which is a basically a stopping point along Interstate 10. So if you are coming in from the Arizona state line, about two hours, you'll enter into the Coachella Valley. We're about an hour and a half, two hours from the L.A., city area of, of LA. So it kind of gives you an idea of where we're at. We have a population that's been growing. We've been marked the fourth fastest growing city in the state of California and the, the fastest growing in our county for some time now. Our population, we just are reaching a little over 90,000 and we should be approaching the 100,000 mark in just the next few years. So it, it's Compared to some of the other major, larger metropolitan cities, we're, we're a lot smaller. But out here in Riverside County, the, the county population is only about two and a half million. And so for a city to have 100,000, we're, we're, we're pretty good size. Fantastic. Well, thanks for that background. It really helps us understand the city's overall size and population, the flow of people in and out of that area, which gives listeners really great context for what it's like there during these huge festivals with hundreds of thousands of attendees that pop up. So let's actually dive into that. What are the major festivals and events that you host and what does the city experience when they take place? Yeah, so obviously our our largest festivals are the outdoor music festivals. So we experience two weeks of Coachella. It's the same concert series lineup two weeks in a row. And those concerts take place Friday, Saturday and Sunday with what we call as ingress and egress days, Thursday and Monday. So although the music festival is three days long, the impacts to the city from a traffic perspective and a planning perspective is really four to five days. After the two consecutive weekends of Coachella, they have their sister concert that goes on and that's the country music festival Stagecoach. And so during the Coachella music festival, we're looking at 125,000 attendees. And that's guests and vendors, staff of the concert. And then we have numerous people that come in that are not attending the actual festival, but are here for the activities that are supported surrounding the festival. So there's a number of pool parties and, and hosted events that you don't need a concert ticket to attend these other events. And so, you know, our population is is 90,000. And during two weekends of the year, we're bringing in 125,000 plus. Man. So our, our population doubles. And, and those are our major events. And then we, we also host the International Tamale Festival in December, which is the largest festival. We're host of the National Barbecue Championship, as well as major polo and lacrosse sporting on our polo fields. And then we host you know, numerous music and arts festival, the Southwest Arts Festival. We have a lot of events here in the city of festival. It definitely lives up to its name. So yeah, without a doubt. I mean, instantly doubling the size of your overall population can put quite a stress on just the city in general, from the economy to the safety of it. I know we've got the ACL Festival in South by Southwest here in Austin, where I am, but you got a city of roughly greater area, two plus million people you get a hundred thousand, couple hundred thousand, you can absorb that. You know, it's annoying. There's more traffic, whatever, but you can absorb it. But for you to more than double the size of your population really stresses things out. So with that in mind, what are the main challenges that you and your team have experienced in the past during an event like Coachella that grows things so much? Yeah, we really do a lot of outreach. And I have to say, working with our partners, the promoters of the festivals really make it a seamless process as they're huge supporters of obviously the event, but the city of Indio as well. 
And so working closely with our, you know, our community services division here in the city, we do a lot of outreach campaign. So we go out to the homeowners associations and the residents that are most impacted by the footprint of the, foot, of the festival. And we bring out staff that promote the festival so that they could speak 100% on behalf of the festival. And we reassure them of the contract that we have, not only with the festival, but with the city. So there are times that music can be played, right? There has to be a cutoff time. What a lot of people forget is sound check at a concert starts hours and hours and hours before anybody gets there. Right. And so people don't want to hear music until one or two o'clock in the morning and then hear sound checks at seven or 8 a.m. And so we recognize that and we value our residents here in the city of Indio. And so we work with them on appropriate time periods and time frames. And then from a safety perspective is we work with a lot of local businesses and for, for, for many different reasons. If there's a major event and something should happen, 100,000 people are now spilling out of the festival footprint and into the city. The dialogue that I have with the promoters is when they are within the footprint of the festival, they are your responsibility. And the minute that something happens and they go outside of that footprint of the festival, they're my responsibility for the city. Mm. And that's kind of our agreement. And, and we do work literally 12 months throughout the year planning, talking, preparing for these festivals, building relationships with the business partners, talking to the residents. And one of the biggest things is when we talked about logistics earlier, Peter, is reminding businesses that we are going to have an influx of 100,000 people coming in. So the local businesses, the grocery stores, the Walmarts, even the local mini marts, gas stations, liquor stores get completely depleted of everyday resources like milk and bottled water and ice and gasoline at their fuel stations while still trying to support not only a population of 90,000, but potentially millions of people traveling along the Interstate 10 corridor that are stopping by for resources or shopping or visiting. So reminding them of point in time ordering and to order ahead and to, to secure additional wares that they're going to be selling so that residents still have enough of what they need, but our festival goers aren't in any shortage of getting what they want as well. So it's a, it's a year-long process and it's a continual education and a continual building of relationships. So there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, without a doubt, logistics is so important. And if you think about it, a giant festival like this is it's almost like a crisis. It's like a hurricane comes in <laughs> barrels over the city. That's what happens when hurricanes happen. It, you know, the stores get wiped out. There's no more supplies coming in or the supplies were coming in at the same rate they were before, which is not sufficient. So you have to think of some of the, the very same things. So your logistics background helps tremendously. It's helped and it's, it, it's really good for the businesses. They've experienced it for years and years. But what happens is a lot of time we, with our continual growth in the city, we have businesses that are opening up that have not experienced a large festival yet because they have not occurred for the previous two years. And so, you know, dozens of new businesses opening every year, reminding them of the impacts. And if you're only doing point in time ordering of resources based on the previous months or the previous week's sales, 
you need to build to anticipate the influx of visitors and traffic during the, the month of April. That's when our, our Coachella and Stagecoach concerts happen. Yeah, that's a really important point. When you're in this business and you've said a million times, this is what you should expect, this is what you should do, you get tired of it and you just start thinking, don't people already know this? I don't need to say it again, but you have to remember there's always new folks in the audience. It's why when you're on an airplane, they're always showing you, this is how your seatbelt works. <laughs> this is how you take it off. Absolutely. You have to do it because there's always a net new person on that plane. Absolutely. And I love the airplane analogy. I use that in many of my preparedness outreach presentations when talking with homeowners or different businesses. I do use the airport or, or the flight analogy a lot, you know, and it's, it's so reoccurring and you've heard it dozens and dozens of times, but there is that one new member in the audience, that one new member on the flight that is really paying attention, that does genuinely care. And, and yeah, absolutely. I love that analogy. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, from a safety and security perspective, how does the city of Indio prepare for Coachella? Yeah, so it's it's really a 12-month planning process for us. And the promoters of the festival, they're continuously year-long doing other festivals in other areas. And so we do take that into consideration. We work, uh, the city of Indio does have its own municipal police department. And so the Indio Police Department has added in the last few years a detail to the department that just focuses on event staff, if you would. So they have a lieutenant that oversees a small team and there's a sergeant and a couple of other police officers. They, they do patrol, they do their, their everyday roles serving the city, but they also have this added detail of events. And so whenever we have an event coming up, we get together with Usually our public work staff, we like to incorporate them. People don't think of public works as first responders, but absolutely they are. They are the ones that are clearing roadways, opening roadways. They operate the heavy equipment during an emergency that's going to be able to, to plow your major ingress and egress. And so we work very closely with them and we contract for our fire services with Cal Fire, Riverside County Fire. And so we sit down with the fire chief, we sit down with law enforcement as well as our public works, and we develop incident action plans. It's where law enforcement will, uh, we use a lot of the incident command system here. And so uh, one person in charge identified streamline ordering points, and we develop these incident action plans. We've also put together uh, tabletop exercises following the, the Homeland Security Exercise and Evaluation Program. So we'll put together uh, very dynamic plans. We will conduct a formal exercise with these plans. And we actually invite our neighboring law enforcement as well as our federal partners. So because of the size of the concerts here, the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, gives them what's called a SEER rating or special event rating. And so the FBI is actually involved in, in some of the planning and a lot of the preparing for our festivals and just working with law enforcement partners. And so we try to keep all of those agencies in the loop. We share our plans with the county. Um, the county doesn't have a major role in planning or preparing for the event. However, if there is a major disaster or God forbid, you know, a 
event like the Las Vegas Route 91 event, mm. uh, the county definitely will be tasked and asked for helping not only the city of India, but law enforcement providing mutual aid. So it's a lot of year-round planning. Uh, we usually do monthly meetings. The first of the year, January, we usually go into a bi-monthly meeting. In February, we go to a weekly meeting, and those weekly meetings will lead all the way up to the day of the festival. So year-round planning, year-round outreach. A lot of what we, what I do in the city doing regular emergency preparedness presentations will incorporate the message that we push for residents to hey, you're going to be impacted during shopping, try and get your shopping done on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays so that mm. you're not impacted by the influx of, of visitors. And so it's a, it's a really a year-round effort. How critical do you find that this coordination across departments is to the overall success and outcomes? Hugely, hugely important. In fact, you know, I, I always look as emergency management. I'm not, I'm not a, in the fire service realm. I'm not a law enforcement realm. I kind of look at it as like a third tier of public safety and our role, the largest role that we could do as emergency managers is to build relationships. And what that means is bringing the players from the fire service, from the law enforcement to the city, to homeowners, to businesses, even schools. We identify schools throughout the city that should something happen during the festivals, we can move 25 to 50,000 people here. And we have resources that will be staged here just in case. And none of that happens without having those relationships and those dialogue before any sort of disaster, whether it's a event at a concert or a hurricane on the East Coast or an earthquake in, in California, is uh, during those stressful times of a disaster, when you're asking people to do things that they don't normally do during the day, they have to know you, they have to trust you. And, and that all comes from building relationships. And so these meetings, these lead up events, fortunately we have not had a serious event at one of these concerts, but our guard is always high and on point and we wanna be left of bang and be ready for anything that could potentially come. Well, we'd like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide the listeners with a practical tip or just best practice they can take back to their organizations to make an immediate impact. Our audience doesn't often hear from leaders in the public sector on the show. So I know whatever you're going to say is going to be a real treat. So <laughs> setting you up there. But what thoughts do you have for how an organization can improve their emergency preparedness plan or safety culture in general from your perspective? As far as, as emergency management, and emergency plans uh, for, for any single organization or business, definitely sit down and have the conversation with your leadership team. There's directors, there's supervisors, there's managers. Even if you're not in that position of power, you could always go to your, your supervisor and just simply ask the question, what do we do during an emergency? What is my role and how are we going to survive this emergency? And I think when you start to have those conversations, those dialogues start occurring, they're going to elevate, they're going to escalate. And really, that's how I got into emergency management was starting to ask these questions on plans and taking the initiative to rewrite your evacuation plan in your building or your facility or your site. A, a lot of times, it's really easy to point the finger out and say, they did not do this. But when you look within, you could say, what did I do about it? And I really challenge everybody to take that approach and ask themselves, what can they do 
to better prepare themselves and then look at building a better preparedness organization from what, where, whatever they're in, your homeowners association, your workplace, church, uh, whatever it might be that, that you have a concern for is look within and then you will start to find those answers to build and find out what you need before, during and after an emergency. Yeah, the more you know about what to do and how to do it before the disaster strikes, the better the chance for improved outcomes. Totally agree with that statement. Yeah. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all of your time, expertise, and advice. Thank you, Peter, for having me. It was a lot of fun. And who knows, maybe in a future episode, we'll be sitting down and we'll be talking uh, more about emergency operations plans. Uh, so. Yes, absolutely. We'd love to have you back again. In the meantime, if anyone listening has any follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Yeah, so I'm going to throw out two. You can find me on our city website, which is indio.org, and then emergency preparedness. Or you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Dennis Day. All right, excellent. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication you need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.